click drive time keeping you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about him getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time and welcome to catholic drive time this is your host adrian fonseca it's so good to be on with you today today is friday june 30th 2023 the feast of blessed raymond lowell and it's probably not pronounced like that at all since he is from majorca spain he is known as the enlightened doctor and he was renowned for his intellect and spiritual depth he was born around 1232 and he initially led a worldly life as a troubadour and i was an old troubadour when I'm gone. But his path took a profound turn when he experienced a vision of Christ crucified. The vision inspired him to convert to the Third Order of St. Francis and dedicate his life to the mission of converting Muslims to Christianity. Driven by his mission, Raymond immersed himself in the study of Arabic and Islamic philosophy and embarked on journeys to North Africa and Asia Minor. Despite his passion and efforts, he failed to gain support of the Holy See and the crowns of Christendom. Undeterred, he continued his quest for knowledge and recognition, and throughout his travels, he tirelessly studied and wrote on various subjects, including alchemy, chemistry, poetry, and philosophy. Although he received minimal training in scholastic theology, Raymond displayed a brilliant theological mind and became known as a profound mystic. His influence extended beyond his time, and he's considered a predecessor of the reverend saints such as Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross. And it's worth noting that there is a tradition that Raymond met a tragic end after being stoned to death by Muslims in North Africa. His books were translated into many languages, including Castellanos or Castilian and, and French. His life and works demonstrate his unwavering commitment to his mission, his intellectual brilliance, and his profound spiritual insight. His legacy as an enlightened doctor, philosopher, and mystic endures to this day. We learn from Blessed Raymond that the diversity of culture is good and beautiful when built on the proper foundation of the true faith and directed towards the proper ends. So may we pray to Blessed Raymond for the grace to embrace our culture under the banner of Christ the king blessed raymond low pray for us happy friday to you can you believe it you made it to the weekend you survived the week we have made it to friday as some might say fry yay so there you go praise be to god uh, good morning to you joining us right now is uh, tito edwards good morning tito good morning adrian yes it's friday it's a glorious week coming to an end and uh, the weekend coming up with a small break on monday then the fourth of july for all us americans and uh, really looking forward to this weekend and, and uh, resting a little bit. I, I know you are, definitely, but that's a great story about Blessed Ramon. My goodness, he studied Arabic and, and Islam just to try to convert the, the, the heathens. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty, pretty cool situation. Yeah. And I think we need that spirit today. Some I people agree. go out and try to convert the Muslims and risk uh, their, their own death, risk martyrdom for the conversion of souls. Uh, if souls are lost, everything is lost. If souls are one, then everything is one. So let's uh, go out and save souls today. That should be our mission. Uh, you know, it's, what are you doing this week? Anything exciting? I'll be uh, doing some service project tomorrow morning. Uh, tonight, uh, my a good friend of mine, his daughter is having her first communion. Nice. So, yes, I'm looking forward to that, attend the Mass, and uh, have a little mini celebration right after. Very cool, very yes. cool. Uh, tomorrow morning, I'm actually heading over to 
the Dominican Sisters of Mary Immaculate Province, uh-huh. their convent, because the what some of my friends uh, at the convent are celebrating their anniversary of like their 50th anniversary 50th. with the with the sisters, their silver jubilee. How great is and that? So that's pretty amazing. Uh, particularly Sister Teresa Marie, I'm going to go see her, Sister Chow Win. She was my teacher at the University of St. Thomas. I guess <laughs> more properly, professor, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, well, that's awkward. But the... Um, but yeah, so that's going to be a really exciting time. So pray for all the religious sisters, especially those who uh, who survive the convent for that long. What a grace. Are they what Vietnamese? They are Vietnamese. I, I met a sister a few years ago that survived, that was imprisoned in Vietnam for her faith. And she wow. made it to the U.S. in Houston. Yeah. Very impressive. Very. Well, at 15 past the hour, we're going to, today's going to be a lot of good news today. It's not, not a lot of sad news. We had a lot of depressing news this week. So today, some good news out of Texas, property taxes to be cut, women's sports protected, euthanasia restricted. Wow, Texas is on a roll. I'm pretty impressed. Um, what's going on in your state? I want to know. At 30 past the hour, Dante in 100 days, why Dante is important and you should read it. I'm also thinking of starting a Dante Book Club, maybe uh, maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that, maybe starting in August. So let me know if that would be of interest to you. In the next hour, we're going to be talking patriarchy versus matriarchy. That's coming up in the next hour. Plus, uh, today is the day we give away the Sophia Institute Press book uh, at the, after the Fear and Trembling Game Show. So make sure you call in because we're giving away that prize today. But let's begin with prayer, as is our custom. The last day of June. Can you believe it? We survived June. So we're going to be able to pray this prayer to the Sacred Heart one last time today. We pray in a special way for Jose Luis Guerra, my grandmother's uncle, so our brother, rather. So I guess that's my great uncle. And so his soul, pray for the repose of his soul and for all those affected by his passing. We pray for that, and we pray for our friends, family, and benefactors, all those that we promise to pray for. We pray for an end to the scourge of abortion, and of course, we pray for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, and for, especially during the month of June, dedicated to the Sacred Heart, we pray for the virtue of humility over the vice of pride, and for the smashing of the LGBT heresy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. My loving Jesus, out of the grateful love I bear thee. And as a reparation for all my unfaithfulness, I give thee my heart, and I consecrate myself wholly to thee. And with thy aid, I propose never to sin again. Heart of Jesus, burning with love for us, inflame our hearts with love of thee. Let us pray, Lord, we beseech thee, let thy Holy Spirit kindle in our hearts that fire of charity, which our Lord Jesus Christ, thy Son, sent forth from his inmost heart upon this earth, and will that it should burn with vehemence who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Ghost, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Friday, June 30th, Anno Domini 2023, and these are your headlines. LifeSite News is reporting parents from a diverse range of traditional religious backgrounds join forces this week to protest the mandatory indoctrination of their children into radical LGBT ideology. Protesters said their children should not be forced to read materials that violate their religious beliefs. Hundreds of parents, including Christians, Muslims, and Hindus, reportedly gathered outside the headquarters of Montgomery County Public Schools on Tuesday to protest the district's new policy mandating that children in kindergarten through fifth grade engage with LGBT and perverse reading materials as part of their English language arts curriculum. 
Also, LifeSite News is reporting conservative pro-life star Eduardo Verstegui considers run for president of Mexico. The producer of the new film Sound of Freedom told LifeSite News that he is discerning and praying about becoming a candidate in his home country in 2024. LifeNews.com is reporting 66 abortion businesses in 15 states have closed since the Dobbs decision. Keeping track of abortion centers closely is like is like picking up jello with your hands. The numbers change almost weekly. Hardest hit has been the independent abortion centers known as Indies. Many were located in red states where abortion has been totally or near totally ended. Amen. And finally, 1440 is reporting the Supreme Court ruled yesterday that race-based standards for college admissions are unconstitutional, violating the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. The ruling likely upends how most schools distribute need-based aid. The decision closes out two cases brought against Harvard and the University of North Carolina. The justices wrapping up both cases into one decision ruled applicants may discuss their races and challenges introduced into their lived experience, but administrators should not explicitly consider race as an admission factor. University officials have argued race is one of many factors in determining admission and affirmative action has leveled the playing field for black and Hispanic students. Ha! Those were your headlines this morning. God bless you all. Thank you, Tito. The gospel of the day comes from Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. A great multitude followed him when he had come down from the mountain. And now a leper came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if it be thy will, thou hast power to make me clean. Jesus held out his hand and touched him and said, It is my will, be thou made clean. Whereupon his leprosy was immediately cleansed. Then Jesus said, Be sure thou dost not tell any man of it. Rather, go and show themselves to the priest and offer the gift which Moses ordained to make the truth known to them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Cornelius Alapide had a lot to say here, as is always the case. And now a couple of things to just kind of put up there. Uh, one thing here, he says he put out his hand and touched him, that he might show that he is above the law, which forbade contact with lepers. The law forbade the touching of a leper for fear of contagion. But because our Lord is God himself, there was no danger of such contagion, but rather the certainty of healing the leper. When therefore Christ touched the leper, he did not do so against the law, but rather as fulfilling the spirit of the law. Because the law was there in order to do what? In order to protect people from contagion. But our Lord could not get sick. Now, he says here, and immediately, there was no interval between Christ's command and its fulfillment. He spoke and it happens. This shows that he is God, the same God that we see in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, this is the image of the Son. Because our Lord Jesus Christ was that word spoken. And so when he speaks, it happens. He creates ex nihilo out of nothing. He speaks and it happens. And so there is no need to say, oh, it was because he spoke and by doing that, some effect happened and that caused something else, which caused something else, which caused the curing of leprosy. No, he spoke 
and he directed his will, and immediately he is healed. Now he says here, but go, show thyself to the priest. Mark has to the high priest. He sends him to the priest, says St. Jerome, on account of humility, that he might appear to show deference to them, so that they henceforth may either believe and be saved, or else be held without excuse. And lastly, that he might not be accounted to violate the law. Now, lastly here, uh, Cornelius Lapide explains what the, what the moral significance of this is. He says, leprosy signifies mortal sin, especially that which is contagious, such as heresy is in an especial manner, because of its extreme foulness and infectious nature. So says St. Augustine and many others. Hence, the cleansing of leprosy is a symbol of the sacrament of penance and of the sacramental confession, whereby sins are forgiven. From this type, St. Jerome on the 16th chapter of St. Matthew proves the power and efficacy of the sacraments against the heretics, showing how the priest must be cognizant of the various kinds of varieties of sin. Now, Chrysostom does the same, and he teaching the office of a Christian priest is far more powerful and excellent than that was of a priest of the order of Aaron. This is very important to note because many Jews today will consider themselves as still being the inheritors of of what the, uh, the Old Testament has. But what we see is that all of the things of the Old Testament, whether it be the priesthood, whether it be the law, whether it be the prophets, all those things were fulfilled in Christ, and he makes it more perfect. And so the Christian priest, or rather Catholic priest, uh, for there's only one kind of priest, those Catholic priests are the only ones who have a powerful and more excellent priesthood than that of the order of Aaron, because they fulfill that priesthood of Aaron, which he was prefiguring. So this is why his, their priesthood today is more powerful and more wonderful and more excellent. Why? Because it is by our Lord who has said, whatever sins you forgive are forgiven. And whatever sins you withhold are withheld, that we have the forgiveness of sins. He willed that his first miracle should be the cleansing of the leper, chiefly because the various stages of leprosy best represents the foulness and the plague of sin. And the cleansing of leprosy, the forgiveness of sins. So let's think about that today. Let's meditate upon our foulness and our wickedness and say, well, you know what? I guess I got a schedule to keep. I got to make my way to confession and get made clean because our Lord wills it. Be thou made clean. We'll be right back with more after this. Hey, Donnie, what does the catechism say that the purpose of life is? But no love and serve God to be happy in the next. That's right. So we can be happy with him in the next life. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that we should stop opposing things like abortion and homosexual unions because there's simply nothing we can do about it? You can't prevent that stuff. It's inevitable. So just accept it. Well, G.K. Chesterton says the other word for inevitability is impenitence. 
we have let ourselves be dominated by the notion that there's no turning back. This idea is rooted in materialism and the denial of free will. Now this modern refusal to undo what has been done is not only an intellectual fault, it is a moral fault also. It is not merely our mental inability to understand the mistake we have made, it's also our spiritual refusal to admit that we have made a mistake. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. You know, I just was reminded. I was reminded that the tomorrow is actually the first Saturday. Because it's just kind of weird because usually the first Friday predates first Saturday, typically. Because, you know, the month starts and then you have your first Friday and then the day after is the first Saturday. But this uh, June ends on a Friday and so July starts on a Saturday. So tomorrow will be the first Saturday and then the f next week will be first Friday. So it's kind of weird. Yeah. A uh, little odd. weird circumstance. But there you go. Tomorrow is first Saturday. So try to do your best to make it to Holy Mass to meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, to make it to confession, whatever you can do in order to fulfill the request of Our Lady of Fatima, and that would be a wonderful opportunity. So I'm going to be doing that tomorrow morning. I guess I can do that at the convent whenever I go for um, to see the sisters make their vows or, and to be celebrated. So we'll be able to do that probably tomorrow. But definitely make sure to see if you can do that. Okay, a couple of things that I want to talk about because uh, we had a, such bad news all week. It was just all bad news, like just up to the eyeballs and bad news. It's kind of very depressing. I want to talk about some uh, good news. There was some good news out of Texas, and we also were talking about California all week. Um, but let's talk about Texas for a little bit. There was recent legislation in Texas on the LGBTQ community that prompted some individuals to say that they were considering leaving the state. Governor Greg Abbott recently signed Senate Bill 15 into law, which prohibits transgender athletes from competing on sports teams that don't align with their biological sex, that it's, quote unquote, assigned at birth. Now, I hate that language, but um, at least it's doing something. The bill extends similar restrictions that were previously implemented to Texas public schools grades K through 12 to include the collegiate level sports. So this is very, very good. So now sports are protected and pretty much universally in the state of Texas. That's very good. And, you know, it's a, it's a good opportunity to try to show forth reality. Now, some people who are supporters of the bill are saying this is good. Some of the people who are against it were saying that this is actually a targeting of the LGBTQ community, and they are saying that they're going to leave the state. I say, all right, bye. I accept <laughs> your terms. <laughs> your terms are acceptable. You are welcome to leave. Um, please do, in fact. And so that's, uh, that's very positive. But it's interesting because the American Civil Liberty Union said that Texas has the highest number of bills, quote unquote, targeting LGBTQ plus people compared to any other state with at least 53 bills introduced. Well, way to go, Texas. So praise be to God. That's pretty awesome. I love to hear it. Notice how they use Orwellian language. They say targeting LGBT when it's actually protecting young girls. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You have to be very, very careful when, when you read the language that the left uses because they use language to control your mind. 
They, they control words in order to control minds. It's very, very uh, devious the way they do so. And it very much reminds me of um, Alice sinister. in Wonderland. When Alice was uh, speaking with Humpty Dumpty, Humpty Dumpty tells uh, him, just starts making up words and using them however she, he wants. And Alice it says, well, can you make words mean so many things? And Humpty Dumpty says, it's who is to be master is the question. And it's very interesting because that wow. is the situation we find in our world today where it's just trying to control the words. So it's like, oh, yeah, you're targeting LGBT people. It's like, well, if by targeting you mean enforcing reality of just saying that we recognize reality, then, yes, I guess that's yeah. what we're doing. So the sky is blue. The ground is hard. The water's wet. Exactly. Very controversial statements you yeah. said there. In response to the growing interest among LGBTQ plus individuals in leaving the state, a real estate service called Flea Red States was launched, originally called Flea Texas. The service aims to help LGBTQ plus people list their homes in Texas and connect them with agents in other states or countries where they feel more welcome and safe. I saw that um, there is a large population going to New Zealand for some reason. Could, I thought that was interesting. Could you provide the URL? Because I would like to contribute to that charity. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the article concludes by discussing the, the concerns of a real estate broker, Bob McCrane, who launched free, uh, Flea Red States services. He expresses sadness about shifting his business to help people leave Texas instead of putting roots in the state. However, he remains committed to the service due to concerns about the potential future LGBTQ restrictions by Texas Republican leaders. So that's very good news. I'm very yeah. happy about that. Now, some other good news out of Texas. There is massive debate. Now, this, there's some good and bad out of it, but there's, it's ultimately good news. The good news is there is a debate going on right now on lowering property tax in Texas. And so this is very good. Now, the reason why there's some good and bad in it is because... The push is to completely abolish property tax. Amen. That's not going to happen, unfortunately. So that's the sad part. We can hope. We can hope. Eventually. Eventually. But it says here that the Texas leaders regarding plans to lower property taxes in the state, the Texas Senate recently approved its largest property tax relief plan, totaling $18 billion through unanimous vote. The plan proposed by State Senator Paul Bentoncourt requires voter approval in a constitutional amendment election. The state Senate plan uh, focuses on raising the homestead exemption to $100,000, which means that basically for if whatever your house is worth, you basically get exempted $100,000 from your property tax. Huh. So if your house is worth $100,000, you pay no property tax. If your house is worth $250,000, you're only paying property tax on $150,000. Like so that. it is better. And before what the rule was, was 40000 And so huh. that's a pretty significant increase. Additionally, the plan allocates an additional $400 million towards reducing school district property tax, tax rates, which aligns with the strategy preferred by Governor Abbott. So, very good. This is good news. Um, it should. We're hoping this is going to come through. If it does, the average homeowner potentially will be saving nearly $1,300 a year. So, that's, that's very good news. Uh, it's a good steps in the right direction. Yeah. But the article did say that Governor Abbott has emphasized that his goal is ultimately to eliminate property tax and believes that rate compression is the best way to achieve this objective. So hopefully this is a, a good step in the right direction to completely abolish it. But either way, it looks like we're going to get at least uh, some kind of tax break. You know the what they should do? They should uh, privatize all the independent school districts and that way eliminate state funds for them and then offer those funds that were 
for the school districts for uh, charter schools, and the ISDs can apply for those charter grants. Yeah, that would be. Uh, yeah, I mean that's one one that's solution. One way. Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, I think that's the debate that people should have. Is like, okay, what's the best way to do that? Because exactly. yeah, we do need to provide education for people, um, but is our current system the way to do it? Well, I mean, just look at the evidence around you. It doesn't seem like that's really it. Um, one last story that's good news before we jump into just one bad news story uh, is that there has been a bill, HB 3162, which was going to extend protections to people, which is going to reduce the amount of euthanasia that's going to be happening. So if they previously hospitals were allowing patients to remove patients from their life support against their will after 10 days, regardless of the patient's wishes or consciousness. That has been extended to 25 days. So that's good. Um, it needs to be better. Texas Alliance for Life came out and it was like, yes, we're, we're, or Texas Right to Life, rather, came out and said, yes, this is a great step forward. Um, definitely not when we don't want to stop there. We definitely don't want to stop there. We want to continue on and protect uh, people's lives. We don't want to be able to allow anybody to be murdered for any reason. So that's very, very good. There are some other details about this bill that's, that I thought was interesting, but I think that's just some good news is that there has been some progress there's a lot of things that are of, that are wanting from here, and we shouldn't bury our heads in the sand whenever we get a victory. Instead, whenever we get a victory, that should be a rallying cry to try to take more ground. Exactly. So make sure that is inspiring to you. Um, now, one bad news story. Okay. So, Ted Cruz, which he's been kind of getting on my nerves recently about a couple things. Uh, he's talking about the um, LGBT stuff, and I was like, come on, Ted. You got to got to be better than that. But he had a really good segment that he put out about the situation on the southern borders. And I'm going to ask um, Taylor to play that clip for you because I thought this was very excellent what Ted Cruz had to say here about the, um, the situation with the, the southern border. It's a very, very concerning situation, and we're seeing more and more of it every day. Look, it, it, it is stunning and it is incredibly dangerous. I spend a lot of time at the southern border. I spend a lot of time with our Border Patrol agents. It's never been remotely this bad. This is an invasion. 6.6 million people have crossed illegally under Joe Biden, the worst in history. Today, I reintroduced Kate's Law. Kate's Law is named for state Kate Steinle, who, who you'll remember, mm -hmm. the beautiful young woman in California shot and killed on a pier on the California coast, and she was killed by an illegal immigrant who had entered the country over and over and over again illegally, who had criminal convictions over and over and over again, and yet the system kept letting her go. And Kate's Law provides that if someone has multiple convictions or an aggravated felony and they enter the country again illegally, that they face a mandatory minimum prison sentence. And I got to tell you, every single time I've forced a vote on Kate's Law on the Senate floor, the Senate Democrats line up party line to block it because you got to understand they don't just support illegal immigration. They support illegal immigration of violent murderers because that's what Kate's law is targeted. And you talked about the terror watch list. Go all the way back. Fiscal year 17, two people on the terror watch list crossed illegally. Fiscal year 18, six people crossed illegally. Fiscal year 19, zero people crossed illegally. Fiscal year 20, three people crossed illegally. Fiscal year 21, what happens then? Joe Biden becomes president. Fiscal year 21, 
15 people, right. fiscal year 22, 98 people, and fiscal year 23, 125 people on the terror watch list. And those are just Your the ones children, my children, our families are less safe because Joe Biden is president. Yeah, that is a very, very concerning look because these are people that we have on terror watch list and 125 people that we know about have crossed over. How many people that we don't know about, that we didn't catch, that we didn't find out that they crossed the border? How many people? That's very, very concerning that we have 125. And then our very intelligent um, Stephen King a horror fiction writer decided to chime in. He's like, oh, well, Stephen, well, uh, Ted, you uh, like to spend time in Cancun, right? That's pretty far south. And I'm not sure how that has to do with anything, but Ted Cruz had a great uh, comeback. He said, multimillionaire leftist Stephen King sits in his mansion in Maine and laughs at the kids being abused and the women being sexually assaulted on our southern borders. He doesn't care at all censoring about their suffering or about the 853 migrants who died last year or the 100,000 Americans who died of drug overdoses. Nope. What does he want to talk about? Cancun. So there you go. Uh, I think that was a great well response. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen King goes back and mentions Cancun again. And uh, <laughs> Ted Cruz uh, responds and says, why does he ignore every single word about the people hurt by the Biden uh, border crisis, he said, because rich Hollywood liberals simply don't care about the people their policies hurt. That's exactly right. So very good there from Ted Cruz. Maybe we should uh, bring up the uh, the border issue some more because it is really tragic. I mean, the stories that we hear coming out of the southern border, absolute tragedy. And it's not compassionate. It's not compassionate to say, hey, you all come over. And then they brave these horrific situations to get here plus all the people who are abusing that charity and hurting our country we'll be right back with more after this hello this is steve gleason with your one minute tool for catholic evangelism here's the question for your non-catholic friend according to first corinthians 11 receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death if communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top so here's the three best friendship tools for catholic evangelism first off in the bread of life discourse in john 6 jesus says he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and i in him note he said drink my blood he did not say drink my wine or grape juice well no comment commentary needed there. Secondly, you going to walk? The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes, every Sunday at Mass. That's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Friday, June 30th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for this morning. 
LifeNews.com is reporting the U.S. bishops rebuked a group of Catholic lawmakers in the House for signing a letter which claimed to invoke Catholic teaching in support of legal abortion. Archbishop Timothy Brolio, president of the USCCB, Bishop Michael Burbage of Arlington, the chairman of the USCCB's Pro Committee on Pro-Life Activities, and Bishop Daniel Flores of Brownsville, the chairman of the Committee on Doctrine, issued a joint corrective statement in response to the letter by Catholic Democrats. Quote, Members of Congress who recently invoked teachings of the Catholic faith itself as justifying abortion or supporting a supposed right to abortion grievously distort the faith. It is wrong and incoherent to claim that the taking of innocent human life at its most vulnerable stage can ever be consistent with the values of supporting the dignity and well-being of those in need. End quote. John Berger at Alatia is reporting Remnant of Paradise, a selected essays, is a sampler that can serve as an introduction to the life and work of Alice von Hildebrand, who died in January 22, 2022 at age 98. But since von Hildebrand, a philosopher in her own right, spent her career promoting the work of her husband, Remnant of Paradise might also lead one eventually to discover the life and work of Dietrich von Hildebrand, and thereby it would accomplish much. Life Site News is reporting a biology professor at St. Philip's College in San Antonio was fired after telling students sex is based on chromosomes. Wow. While Professor Johnson Barkey was not given a reason for his termination, it took place shortly after four students walked out of his class where he taught that sex is based on chromosomes. His lawyers at First Liberty said they will take legal action if Barkey is not reinstated. Since Phillips College is a public, historically black community college, and Professor John Barkey is a devout Christian. And finally, LifeNews.com and the Associated Press are reporting several people with autism and intellectual disabilities have been legally euthanized in the Netherlands in recent years because they said they could not lead normal lives, researchers have found. The cases included five people younger than 30 who cited autism as either the only reason or a major contributing factor for euthanasia, setting an uneasy precedent that some experts say stretches the limits of what the law originally intended. In 2002, the Netherlands became the first country to allow doctors to kill patients. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up today. It's horrible whenever they have this idea that just because someone has a disability, we should kill them. That's yeah. very, uh, not very, very nice. And for people who like to talk about being nice, that's not a very nice thing to do. Uh, joining us right now is Ms. Dr. Matthew Anderson. He is an assistant research professor of ethics and theology in Baylor Institute for Studies of Religion. And for more... Uh, appropriate for today's show. He's the organizer of 100 Days of Dante, a very interesting situation. Uh, it's a program that I saw, I came across a couple of maybe about a year ago, maybe two years ago, and I thought this was the most fascinating thing I have ever seen. So uh, I've been looking for it, and I, this crazy story, crazy story, I was looking for it, and I was like, searching online because I couldn't remember the name of it, and I was like looking to try to find it. I was like, okay, I started it earlier, and I didn't finish it, so I want to try it again. And I mentioned it to Tim Mott, who's our general manager here at our um, in our Houston station, and I was like, Man, I bet he would know. He likes uh, literature, so he might know <laughs> what this is. And he's like, actually, I helped edit the audio for that. And I was like, what? You did? That's crazy. And so he connected me with um, Dr. Anderson to talk about this. Good morning to you, Dr. Anderson. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. It's good to have you. Now, it's very interesting because uh, I, I read Dante for the first time 
when I was in high school. It was assigned to me. The Inferno was assigned to me. And I thought it was incredibly interesting. It was very exciting. But I never read Purgatorio or Paradiso because I was told that, well, that we'll read the Inferno because it's the most interesting. The other ones are not as interesting. So we're gonna, I'm not going to read those. And so I was always like, eh, I don't need to read the other two. And so I just never did. And I feel like I was deprived so much. So let's start from the very beginning. Uh, who is Dante? What is the Divine Comedy? And why should people care? Yeah, great question. So that's a fairly standard story. I think you're not alone in terms of the people who have only read The Inferno or even only heard of The Inferno. If you know one thing about Dante, you know that he wrote this weird poem, which is about hell and uh, which describes, you know, very imaginatively in very great detail, the kinds of tortures and punishments that the sinners in hell are going through, you know, that he, but he wrote two other parts of this poem as well, two other canti, uh, the Purgatory, uh, Purgatorio and the Paradiso. You know, Dante is one of the great poets of the world, um, not just quote unquote Western civilization, but I think really the whole world. Uh, he's a medieval sort of early Renaissance poet. He's um, writing in Italy and the Divine Comedy is his great work. It's uh, a long poem, spans a hundred canti, uh, which are sort of chapters or units of poetry. And it's an incredible journey where he, as the character in the poem uh, is, Lost in a dark wood is how it opens. He's lost the right road. He's uh, uh, He was exiled when he wrote it um, from Florence, his home city. And it's, it's his wrestling with his own uh, history, his own life, the injustice that he felt like he had, like had been done to him as uh, a politician in Florence, where he would been, he felt unjustly accused of misconduct, and, but also his own vice, his own sign, his sin. And, you know, so it opens with him being lost in a dark wood, the right road, wholly lost and gone. And it's his journey of trying to get unlost and failing, and then grace coming to him through the person of Virgil, in the first place, but then through other characters as well, and helping him uh, descend through hell, through the center of hell where he sees, famously sees Satan, but then up through purgatory, and then up into paradise, where ultimately he ends by seeing the divine essence, seeing the triune God. And so it's, it's an astonishing spiritual journey with extraordinary moral, spiritual, political, theological significance there's really no work quite like it in all of the world's poetry it's really it's really an astonishing poem okay that's a really really strong claim because i was going to bring up uh, that the that i've been told and obviously i am not an expert in dante by any stretch of the imagination i have only read one and i'm planning on going through 100 days of dante and reading all of it but i have been told that the that Dante is to Italian like Cervantes is to Spanish or Shakespeare is to English, and uh, you're saying no, like the Dante is 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 the is a pinnacle of poetry. Uh, so defend your claim, Mister. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, you know, I think that's a great analogy. Dante is the Italian like Shakespeare is the English, like Cervantes is the Spanish. In terms of their national significance, in terms of the way in which they form the language, one of the things that Dante does is he writes divine comedy in Italian rather than writing it in Latin. And he really shapes the Italian language in the same way that English is completely shaped by Shakespeare. Shakespeare doesn't reinvent the language, but, you know, has a really profound influence on it. Um, but in terms of the actual content of what Dante is doing, he's very different in many ways than what Shakespeare is doing than, and than what, you know, someone like Cervantes is doing. I will say, like, all the clothes, I'm, I'm actually a Shakespeare guy. It was a little weird that I ended up running 100 Days of Dante. <laughs> if there was one major figure that I would resonate with and have immersed myself with over the last few you know, decades of my life would be Shakespeare. So I've spent so much more time with Shakespeare, but you know, like, I don't know, respect to Dante. Like we have to give the man his flowers to use a, an expression that the kids use these days. We've got to give, <laughs> give the man his due um, because the divine comedy in, in terms of its imagination and its scope it's it does in one poem what I think Shakespeare does spread across the whole canon. Wow, shall we say? Wow, that's a that's amazing to to hear that uh, kind of claim because I, I love Shakespeare. I was a huge uh, kind of a theater nut when I was uh, younger, and I used to love reading uh -huh. Shakespeare and put on the play. So I have a great affinity for for Shakespeare. But um, that's very interesting. Now the other thing is. A lot of people kind of get turned off by Dante because of the name of the books or the of the poems. They say, well, this is for religious people, and I'm not a religious person, therefore I have no need for Dante. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of ironic because my impression, I'm not a, I'm not a Dante scholar, but my impression of the world of Dante studies is they have like the academics, the people who work on Dante full-time, is they've worked very hard to actually eliminate any kind of religious significance for the poem. <laughs> like, it's there, but that's not the thing we're really interested in. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of sort of ordinary readers read it and think, like, well, this is just purely religious stuff. So there's a massive gap there. You know, the... Dante, I think, is very explicit in other texts. He's really writing this for moral, spiritual formation. Yeah, that's very good. We're going to pick up right there when we come back. I want to touch back on this idea of formating the soul, formating the mind, formating the person with Dante. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, more with Dr. Anderson on the topic of Dante and the Divine Comedy. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just one moment. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Because Jesus said in Matthew 23 that no one should be called rabbi, father, or teacher, I'm sure you would never call one of your teachers teacher, would you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a Catholic no-no, calling a priest father. Well, what about Paul calling Timothy, Titus, and Onesimus his sons? No doubt his spiritual sons, but is it not proper for a spiritual son to call his spiritual father father? This reverential title should never have generated such a big point of contention. 
Revelation. Secondly, in the New Testament, in Acts 7 and Romans 9, we see the term father being used referring to Abraham and some of our great patriarchs. And my take, isn't context everything? When Jesus is speaking to the multitudes, it's oftentimes in the language and style of hyperbole. His discourse was not focused on titles or ecclesiastical guidelines. Jesus is once again warning against giving honor where honor is not due. Next time you see your pastor, just say, hey, preacher, uh, that just seems so lacking. Hey, Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, I love where I'm sitting because when I'm sitting, I look out the window and I can see the sun rising in the morning, especially this time of year. Later in the year, it's still dark at this time of day. But you see the sun rising and you just think about the rising of the Son of Man on Easter Sunday. And I can think about that every single day when I look out that window. So praise be to God for that. Uh, Joining us right now is Dr. Anderson. He is the organizer of 100 Days of Dante. We're discussing Dante and his divine comedy. Uh, Most people probably know him more as Dante and Dante's Inferno, but we're talking about the divine comedy as a whole. Now, uh, before we jump back into the topic of how Dante forms people as a whole, because I know there's like a famous book that came out a couple years ago called um, Dante Saved My Life, and I think that's something uh, interesting. But uh, the before we jump into that, why is it called the Divine Comedy? People read it and they're like, I didn't laugh at all. So uh, why, why is it called the Divine Comedy? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there are jokes inside the Divine Comedy. They're just very subtle. And, you know, it's a very foreign context to us. And so it's hard to pick up on them. But, you know, the, the Commedia, the comedy, is a story that begins dark and ends in light it ends with the vision of god it ends it has a happy ending you know and, and we t- mentioned shakespeare in the last segment shakespearean comedies are plays that could end with everyone dead on the floor but end with weddings instead right? like they end in <laughs> happiness and joy that's why they're comedies yes there are jokes but there are also jokes in shakespeare's tragedies so it's not the amount of humor in a play that makes the play a comedy it's how it ends and the divine comedy ends with Dante ascending up through the heavens and seeing God, which is a journey and a, and a process that we are all going to go through, right? Mm-hmm. Where we are going to, at some point, see the triune God. And that's the shape of the universe. So the Divine Comedy is, is really that. It's, it's the journey of the, souls, the soul to God, uh, which is a happy journey. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's pick up on that note right there. You said it's a, it's a journey of the soul to God. Now, many people may so read that and they're like, okay, so um, I think a little, and this may be a problem with modern with the modern person is that the people may read and they say, okay, what am I supposed to get out of it? And that's like the first kind of question they ask when before they want to read something. They're like, okay, what am I supposed to get out of it? So. Uh, I guess a twofold question for you. One, what can, does someone get out of it? And two, should that be the reason why someone reads it? 
Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a bad reason why someone would pick up a, a book. You know, there's a kind of narcissism to it, which is bad, which eventually you'd want to come uh, get over. But, you know, we start with practical concerns. I do ethics. My my discipline is ethics. That's what I do for my day job. So I might I might be biased in this way, but I actually think that ethics is a great portal or gateway into deeper philosophical, metaphysical, theological questions. So at the end of the day, people do have a practical stake in what they're reading. And when you can highlight their practical stake and, and show that something for them really does hang on what they're thinking about, then they're likely to be more engaged. So I'll do this with my, my students a lot when I'm teaching a text like Dante. I will try to make it a text that is relevant to them just try to show this is not just a text that's bound to the 14th century 15th century this is a text that is for today and here's how and here's why um and so i i you know i i, I think it's a fine way to approach it but, but with dante in particular um you know there are astonishing depictions of the way in which certain vices and sins will distort a person's life and character in Dante, where he'll, he has images for how sin corrupts the soul. But then he also has images for how grace transforms sins into virtues mm -hmm. and how it, it takes us and liberates us from sin and how it makes us into people who radiate with the love of God and the kind of pedagogy that Dante displays in terms of the poetry and the images and the art. It's really extraordinary. I think it, it really does um, reveal how God transforms us through his grace and that's something that we really tried to bring out in 100 days of dante you know there's a lot of projects out there on the the web about how to read the divine comedy for its political significance how to understand the poetry how to think about it historically and all those are great you need all of that to fully understand the poem that's really has to be there but we really wanted to bring to the surface the way in which dante is doing spiritual and moral formation to help people try to see here's here's something about this text that I could take away with that might actually change the way in which I live my life. Hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. And that kind of brings up a, a very interesting point. So let's get into some practicalities. Um, what do I need to know and read? You're saying, okay, there's political, there's historical, there's moral, there's spiritual. So what do I need to go into Dante uh, having already known or read or what kind of background reading should I do? Is there like a one book out there? You're like, here's a good little summary of everything that you should get to know before jumping into Dante. Uh, what say you, Dr. Anderson? Yeah, I, there's lots of resources out there. You can get overwhelmed with the number of resources. I actually think that just diving into the text with something like 100 Days of Dante is the best way to do it. And with friends, you know, a standard English translation will provide a lot of notes along the way. Anthony Esselin has a wonderful translation. Um, he's a writer at Providence College, I think, Catholic theologian. A wonderful translation with terrific notes, which has an introduction, which would provide, I think, as much as a person would need. Uh, Robert Hollander has a translation that has similar like notes and introduction that provides a lot of context. 
uh, a, you know, like a, a process like 100 Days of Dante, we provide enough context, I think, along the way that will help readers really understand what's going on within the text. And so from my standpoint, the, it's not so much reading in advance to understand. It's actually just reading mm. and reading with friends and with community of people. That's the sort of thing that will help people continue to read when you're in the middle of a section that seems really confusing and you're not sure what what's happening or why things are going the way they're going. Having a group of people around that can help you read, I think is a really important thing to do. And then let's talk about 100 Days of Dante then. I was, uh, when I was going through your website and I was looking at it, I was like, this is really cool. I, I really love it. The The website just, it looks good, first of all. I mean, that, I'm very impressed. Yeah. I, was, I was not expecting it to be such a high quality, <laughs> to be honest, um, but it is, it's very good. And I was like, okay, this is actually kind of encouraging me. I kind of want to start a group and do this. And so if I was wanting to do something like that, uh, what would you recommend Hannah, and using 100 Days of Dante as a group? Yeah, I think there's lots of ways to use it. Thank you. We tried to make it a very beautiful, aesthetically pleasing site. So I'm glad to hear that that resonated. You know, one of the things that I think that we have, we are starting this August, another cycle. So one of the things that we do, we've done each year is we will read it all together where you can sign up, you can put your email address in and Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're going to get an email with the next Canto video. And we start in August and we end on Easter Sunday of 2024. Um, and you know, the pacing there of Monday, Wednesday, Friday is a really nice pace, you know, like trying to read one canto per day, watch a video per day. Like if you're doing that five days a week or seven days a week, that's that's impressive, right? Like for a lot of people, we're very busy. We don't quite have the bandwidth to do that. But a canto, they're not that long. It's three or four pages of text. Reading a canto Monday, Wednesday, Friday, thinking about it at that sort of pace gives you enough time to digest it and to think about it and then to move on it's a it's a very nice pace there's a little bit in holy week we actually speed it up and we do one per day in holy week to try to get it in so that we finish on easter sunday um which is the day that dante in the story actually sees god it's mm. easter sunday so we try to align those things um but that would be, I think, the way that I would recommend doing it, starting in August. Uh, and, and it's great because you can put your email address in and you'll get emails, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three times a week with the next Canto video, which is a great reminder. Um, you know, all the videos, all the podcasts, they're all up on YouTube. They're all available on uh, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, whatever your podcast uh, platform of choices so you can just you know immerse yourself in it get a group of friends and hold each other accountable that's a great way to do it as well but i i think signing up for the emails and starting in august is a great way to do it and then if you're doing it with friends how would you recommend would you say like, okay let's uh, meet once a week once a month um via how would you what would you say is the best way to like organize a a little study group yeah, it probably depends on how good of friends they are. You know, they're really close friends. <laughs> you, you see them once a week. If they're kind of not great friends, maybe once a month is appropriate. You know, my friends don't want to see me very often. I don't know about you. <laughs> but if I tried to see my friends once a week, they'd rebel. Um, 
No, I, I, I do think actually like once every other week, you want it to be often enough that you don't lose the plot where you've mm. got things to talk about and where you're maintaining momentum. But meeting every week can also be a lot, right? Like it's, it's people are busy. And if you miss one, you start to feel like, oh, it's, I've, I've missed one. So I, I think spacing those sort of book club meetings out to every other week is a reasonable, it makes it feel manageable in a way that every week doesn't. Um, so if I were running a book club on Dante, that's what I would do is, is try to meet roughly every other week where you're sort of meeting and talking about several of the cantos, six cantos at a time, which is a really good chunk of text, actually. You can really spend a lot of time thinking about just you know, 25, 30 pages of Dante. Very good, very good. No, I'm I'm very encouraged by this. I think this is going to be a, a great opportunity. I'm 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 genuinely thinking of starting a group. Maybe I'll do one for anybody who wants to join me in the on the radio. Maybe we'll do it over Zoom and this will get some people to to do that together. I think that might be a lot of fun. Uh, so, last question here. Uh, one is uh, what's some parting words and to, about Dante and about the comedy and two, where do people sign up? Yeah, parting words, don't be intimidated, fear not. It's a great text. And just start with the first canto and think about the first canto. You can think, I teach the first canto. When I teach the Divine Comedy, like, I'll spend the first several hours on the, the first canto. It's hard for me to get out of it. So, you know, just, just start because it's worth starting. And, and the opening is so rich. It's so extraordinary. There's so much to think about that once you're hooked, you'll be hooked all the way and then persist like make it to the end uh where can people sign up 100daysofdante.com uh, uh the number 100daysofdante.com all the videos are there you can sort of put your email in there it's a, i think a great platform easy to use i hope um and so if you also want to just like go to youtube and search 100 days of dante you'll see the playlist uh, it'll come up and you'll be able to see some of the conversations that we had around the text about how to read it. You know, we, we, we did an introductory conversation with some of the faculty who contributed about these sorts of questions. How do you read Dante? Why should we read Dante, et cetera, that I think is a really good conversation, actually, that brings up a, a lot of issues. So um, that's a great place to, awesome. to go to get to see the content as well. So check out 100 Days of Dante. That's 100daysofdante.com. And look the same thing up on YouTube. Check out all those videos. And uh, stay tuned because maybe we'll have a Catholic Drive Time uh, study group for uh, 100 Days of Dante. But God bless you, Dr. Anderson. God love you and have a blessed day. Thank you much. Appreciate it. And that's going to do it for the first hour. Stay with us. We're going to be talking about the patriarchy coming up next. I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. I mean, the reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's, it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to the American court system, can a jury of 12 citizens who are of varying moral beliefs, backgrounds, and persuasions objectively deem a person not guilty who actually committed the crime? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, church law. In the same manner, the Apostolic College, who are the unique inheritors of the Catholic Church authority, were also granted that same power. Secondly, certain limitations. The court of 12, called a jury, can only grant acquittal or guilt. The Apostolic Apostolic College, proceeding from the Twelve Apostles, can declare a third position, that being innocence, different from acquittal. And thirdly, a tough comeback. The Jury of Twelve wields frightening power that changes lives. The Church also wields magnificent power that changes guilt into forgiveness and pardon. Is your Bible church obedient to James chapter 5, which says, Call for the elders of the church, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So if you ask your pastor to provide weekly opportunities to confess sins, will he? Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the Church for evangelism today. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the Ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. Your connection to our treasured Catholic faith all day, every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. KSHJ, Houston. To Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here on Catholic Radio. It's always a good day on Catholic Radio, especially since it's Friday. Can you believe it? We made it to the weekend. The weekend is upon us. We're almost there. Almost there. Almost. And remember, tomorrow, for Saturday, make it to Holy Mass. Pray the rosary. Offer it up for reparation for sins and outrages against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So many of those out there. One of the outrages against the most immaculate heart of Mary is feminism. Feminism is a, it offends Our Lady because Our Lady loves femininity. She loves the way that God ordered things, which God ordered things as a patriarchy because God is father, right? And so God is king. Christ is king, right? We say, viva Cristo Rey, Christ is king. And if God the father is king of the universe is king over heaven well doesn't that make it a patriarchy pretty much i think so it's Mm -hmm. the right ordered way of living makes sense to me there's an article over by crisis magazine i thought it was really excellent and it kind of goes uh talks about this issue it's an opinion piece titled patriarchy versus matriarchy it's very interesting it starts off this way, or I'm starting a media raise, actually. It says here, it seems so, at least implicitly, for feminism itself is rarely criticized or even disagreed with by anyone other than people, quote, on the right. The rest of us have been cowed into submission. We dare not speak up, even in defense of our boys, which, speaking of Anthony Eslon, we were talking about him a second ago with about Dante. He wrote a book about how to raise boys or in defense of boys, I forget, boyhood or something like that. I forget the name of the title at the moment. Uh, he It goes on, I have been aware of some of the excesses of feminism for a while now, since Rush Limbaugh bravely coined the term feminazi. I thought it was silly at the time, but it was a convenient and 
accurate descriptor for the spittle-flecked, foaming-at-the-mouth, butch abortion activist screaming in unhinged protest against the latest feminist outrage du jour. This character, caricature, was easy to identify and oppose. And many people of goodwill realized it, even if they went along with it because it was easier than speaking out and becoming the latest target of their screed. But I have been made aware that this is a much more pernicious effect, that there is a more, more pernicious effect of feminism that has already transformed our society. And it's not limited to the stereotype I mentioned above. In any case, I didn't even realize it until now. The shouting down of the patriarchy, the silencing of men, and the indulging of vicious of the vicious have created what I've called therapeutic society. Its ascendancy in American society is proportional to the rise of women supplanting men in almost every area, and it's killing us. In a traditional, read, properly functioning family, the man, husband, and father, the man, the husband, father, slash, 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 meaning the different roles that he takes on, and the woman, wife, mother, have different roles. Among the stereotypical sex-based roles are that father is more associated with expectations and rules, while the mother is more associated with nurturing and comforting. But this has changed so significantly in the past three decades that the old adage, wait till your father gets home, has actually lost its meaning. Like many idioms and imaginaries used in the Bible, it loses its impact because the audience no longer understands what the phrase originally meant. Men have been emasculated to the point that being a mere source of money, they have no standing in their homes except the expectation that they will support uncritically everything said or done by their wives who really hold the reins of power. Now, I think it's everybody kind of knows this, but it's kind of how people say, oh, I have to ask the boss or, oh, I have to check in with my wife first. And there's nothing bad about asking your spouse but it's the idea that she's in charge. That's the problem. That's the kind of the problem with this kind of idea. Now, this concept of a man allegedly being lord of his household, but really henpicked and submissive to his wife is so common that it's a trope. And I just go watch any TV show nowadays. Family Guy is a huge example of that. Or The Simpsons, where you have the dolt of the father and then the mother who kind of holds things together and, and checks him in and keeps him in check. A very disordered way of looking at a family. Now let's extrapolate this to the to our broader family and society and those who lead it. Now I'm talking about civil leaders, those who have care of the common good, upholding expectations of behavior or doing or saying anything critical of the people is immediately condemned as being quote judgmental, harsh, or insensitive. And saying that you expect people to act a certain way without a government funded program to assist them is similarly condemned. The rule-giving patriarch has been deposed in favor of the tolerant and nurturing, nurturing matriarchy, and here's what we get. Indulgence of bad behavior to an alarming degree. Think about um, prison reform. Think about uh, the amount of times people just release people from prison and the lack of prosecuting crimes. A rejection of traditional morality and expectations of good behavior. You know, the... This idea of, oh, just because someone is young, therefore we shouldn't punish them. Uh, the banning of, of corporal punishment, like, well, yikes. I mean, you can get in trouble nowadays if you decide to spank your kids. Unlimited immigration because everyone deserves to live wherever they want. That's very interesting. Diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives have been become expectations. 
safe spaces for people who are offended by others' views, ever-expanding government-funded therapeutic programs to help people do what society has traditionally expected everyone to do anyway. Now, this one is very dear to my heart because this is what religious communities were for. This is what the church was for, for charity. And we were to help people. Our Lord commanded us. He says that when you feed the hungry, you feed me. When you give drink to the thirsty, you're giving drink to me. Whatever you have done to the least of those, you have done to me. And what has the government said? The government said, no, 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 no. Just give us your money. Actually, we're just going to take it. And then we'll be Jesus to everybody. We will be God to the people. And this is a very, very concerning situation. Now, everyone having to change the way they speak so as to not offend others. Now, this is very, very interesting analysis that he puts out here. Now, these are vague articulations in an effort to keep the article evergreen. I'm refraining from giving very specific contemporary examples. Well, I filled in the blank for you. Uh, Women are generally more empathetic and understanding of others than men, and men are generally more exacting and results-oriented than women. Society seems to work best when both are operating in their proper spheres. Men enforce the expectations, and when people fail to meet them, as they sometimes will, They are met with justice and the consequences of their failure. But in the best situation, that justice is tempered with mercy, not replaced by it. Now, this is very important. That justice and mercy are both virtues. Both of these are virtues. But justice is is required. It's giving to someone what is due to them. And giving mercy to someone who who is guilty is actually an injustice to the innocent. Whenever you release criminals into the street, you're doing an injustice to law-abiding citizens. And you can't do injustice. So you can only do mercy when injustice does not take place. Now, he goes on and says, what we're facing now is the wholesale replacement of justice and pseudo-mercy largely at the behest of women. A society cannot function that way for long. There's an old adage that goes, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Now, that's a circle that we kind of go through back and forth, and it feels like we are getting close to the time where we, the weak men have made hard times. The fact that it's, a, it's kind of a joke among um, the Gen Zers, where they'll post all over social media. It's like, oh, the weak men are making hard times again. Uh, help. And that's kind of the, the kind of joke that they put out there. Now, in this vein, I understand that we have laws Monkiness. against sex discrimination, But those laws have been taken to an absurd extreme, such that no discrimination is permitted. Ask any high schooler about discrimination, and their knee-jerk response will be one of condemnation. No further probing about whether the discrimination in question is warranted is ever done. Now, this is very interesting because, yeah, I mean, some things should be discriminated against. I don't like bad things. I discriminate against it. I promote good things. Good things should be promoted. I think that's a very important thing to to keep in mind, that not everything is equal. Egalitarianism is a wicked result of a revolution. Um, One of the results of communism specifically, but more broadly, the the revolution, which goes back to Martin Luther, who decided to universalize, uh, founder of the Protestant Revolution, who wanted to make everyone equal and to destroy any distinction in hierarchy. This is a very pernicious and, and devilish view. Because the hierarchy is very innate to God himself. And remember, in God's hierarchy, God is the highest. But who is the second? The second is Our Lady. 
Our Lady, the greatest of all creation. So you have number one, which is God. Well, duh. <laughs> but then second is the Blessed Virgin Mary. Can you believe that? What a great honor. And so if women can't meet the same physical standards as men, then what people say nowadays is, well, we just get rid of the standard. And we see this in inside of our uh, military where they're changing the rules. And we see the same thing in police forces. And we see the same thing in the fire department. We have to make it so that women are able to do the same thing as men. Now, if women are required by their biology to take off from work to have a child, then we have to give that same maternity leave to men because no discrimination. So now you have maternity leave and then you have paternity leave now, which I mean, I mean, if people are going to give it, I mean, I'll take it. But is that really the thing that we need now? I don't know. Now, we have successfully been restrained to accept unreality because we've been capitulating all along to these demands for fear of being called heartless, insensitive, or offensive, or any number of other soft insults to let everyone know just how rigid, unfeeling, and domineering we are. And it's mansplaining to point out any of this. Now, this is uh, very funny to me because... That's a very common um, accusation that I receive, and those those are those kind of re- accusations. Now, I'm sure people are going to also point out, like, Adrian, you're not married. You don't have kids. You don't get an opinion. Hey, I'm just reading what uh, Jason uh, Negri says, who has five children, three grandchildren, and has been married for, for many, many years. So I'm just saying what he's saying. Now, going back, he uh, points out the uh, the buffoonish husband inside of uh, your average sitcom. That's a very common trope nowadays. We mentioned that a second ago. Now, he says enough of this. Men have to stop allowing women to run everything and must stop accepting the excuses they make for people's bad behavior. Now, this is interesting because we see this all the time. Like, for instance, Exodus 90. Exodus 90 was a a men's program to try to help men try to become more ascetical, try to suffer more, be able to endure and even love suffering. And what happened? There was a huge push for women were like, we want to do it too. And they're like, no, 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 this is just for men. And they started trying to create their own version of it. And then many of the women were like, no, nah, we don't like our own version of it. And they started just doing Exodus 90 anyway, um, even though it wasn't really for women. Now, obviously, people can do whatever they want. Uh, but it's very interesting that men can never have really their own spaces. It's very interesting that that always seems to be the case. It's very interesting that it always seems that women have to be involved in everything that men do. And this is kind of how we get the situation of man caves, which is kind of another perverse thing. So the home belongs to the woman, and then the man will get his little cave. He'll get his little room that he can hang out in and and do his his boy things, his men things. This is not the right way of looking at it. Instead, we should look at it biblically. What does the Holy Scripture say about men and women? Well... It says that husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church, and that women, the wives, should be submissive to their husbands as the church is to Christ. Now, this is a very hard saying in our current day. In fact, that usually is uh, thrown out of the Bible for uh, for most wedding days. They won't even read that at, at uh, most weddings because you get to choose what readings are there, and many people will choose not to read that. But this is the way that our Lord set up marriage because it's an image. It's a reflection of the divine reality. It's a reflection of the way God has the church set up, where Christ himself is the groom and the church is the bridegroom. And should we not want to imitate what our Lord has called us to imitate? Now, many people would try to throw up and say, oh, but you don't know my husband. Oh, but you don't know my situation. Of course, if you are in a particular situation, 
uh, take what applies to you and uh, retain what is good. Test everything and retain what is good. Uh, but I check out this article, Patriarchy versus Matriarchy. I think it's a excellent article worthy of a read, um, but definitely something that not everyone is quite ready to hear, but definitely uh, worthy of having a further discussion about in the future. Now, this leads us into our Fear and Trembling game show. We're going to be expecting a caller at any moment, and that could be you. That number, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. So make sure you call in now because we're going to give away a book by Sophia Institute Press, and that's going to be given away today, and you could win it the way you win it. Call 877-757-9424. You could have a chance to win. 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. One last time, eight seven 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 five seven ninety four twenty four. We'll be right back with fear and trembling right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non Catholic friend If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. I was raised a Catholic and went to church every Sunday faithfully. I met a boy and he was non-Catholic, so I left the church to be with him. When I was away from church, I yearned to be home. What brought me back was my longing for the Eucharist. The Eucharist fills me with a spirit that you can't find anywhere else. I have a peace when I walk through the doors of the Catholic Church, like that's where I belong. We invite you to take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Seven five seven nine four two four. That's the number to call to be part of our fear and trembling game show. You could be a winner. How you may ask? Well, it's very simple. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. We always take the first caller, and you can be a participant in the fear and trembling game show. Now, what is that? You ask. Well, here is the thing. We have three Catholic trivia questions here. Three Catholic trivia questions, but the trick is I'm not going to ask you the question. So you don't need to know the answer at all. You, If you don't know anything about the Catholic faith, you can still win very easily. How? Because I'm going to ask Tito the questions, and Tito is going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong, which means even if you just guess, there's a 50-50 chance of you getting it right, a 50-50 chance for each question. And every answer 
a correct answer, rather, if every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? Thank you, Adrian. The Fear and Trembling prize for today is a book by Sophia Institute Press called 30 Days to Your New Life. In this no-nonsense, refreshingly direct book, Anthony DeStefano bridges the gap between personal development programs and Catholic spirituality. Read more at SophiaInstitute.com. The mission of Sophia Institute Press is to provide substantial spiritual formation to help readers grow in holiness and in their knowledge of the Catholic faith. Please call now in order to win. Our lines are open. First one to call in is our contestant, and our number is 1-877-757-9424. Thank you very much. That number, 877-757-9424. If you want to be a winner, all you have to do is pick up the phone, 877-757-9424. I'm looking over on my left at the call lines. And it seems like you have the perfect opportunity because yeah. the person who calls in next will, in fact, be the contestant. 877-757-9424. That's the number. And if you call it, you will be the contestant. You will have the opportunity to win the book from Sophia Institute Press. Now, that number, 877 757 So make sure that you have uh, that opportunity. I know you don't want to miss it. And I'm looking over at these questions, and I can tell you these questions, pretty much easy. Pretty much easy. Very, very easy. I think that the person who calls in will probably get mm, probably all three correct. I'm thinking they'll get all three correct today. It's all easy question Friday. And we'll so. be announcing the winner today. So it's easy peasy. Just call in. We've got three questions. You get three of them correct. You get your name written down three times. Put it in the coffee mug. And then we'll pull out the drop, the winner. And the Sophia Institute Press, they've got great books. This is one of them by Anthony DiStefano, 30 Days to Your New Life. Well, thank you very much. At number 877-757-9424. Now, also, if you're like, hey, Adrian, I'm driving it's difficult for me to call in. I, I can't be uh, listening to you and putting that number in. Well, the good news is that you can always go to our website. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And if you sign up for our email list or, sorry, if you check on our website, there our email, our phone number is listed. So you can always put that in your speed dial so you can make sure that you can always call back in the future. So make sure you're able to do that. We'd be very grateful for you if you would go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to find out more information. All of, all of our information is always listed there on our website. Uh, but joining us right now is uh, Dana. Good morning, Dana. Good morning, Adrian. Dana, did you call in this week? Yeah. Not this week. I called in last week. You called in last <laughs> week. Okay. Okay. Well, normally uh, we don't take uh, repeat callers uh, between uh, between a month, but uh, we will let that slide oh, for today. Know. Usually we we wait a month before we have repeat callers, but that's okay for today. We'll we'll allow it for today. Um, well, oh. thank you very much for calling in, Dana. Yes, Dana. Oh, you're so welcome. I just. Uh, I- you know, no one was on the line. I'm like, well, I'm going to call in. <laughs> oh, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. So uh, you're familiar with the game. You played last week. You're a veteran already. So uh, I'm sure you're ready to play the game. 
Yes. Well, let's do it then. Let's do it. Uh, question number one, Tito. All right. Let's bring this Friday question over. on the board. Jerusalem was captured by the Christians in what year? Hmm, I'm a history buff, and uh, the First Crusade was very successful in returning Jerusalem back to the Christians. It was converted, so it wasn't really captured first, but uh, the year that they took it, 1099. 1099 is what you're going with. Yeah, yeah, 1099. All right, that sounds uh, an IRS just, form. Exactly, I was thinking that too. I was like, man, every time I hear 1099, I get uh, anxiety. <laughs> I know, I know exactly there what you, you mean. All righty, Dana, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, Jerusalem was captured by the Christians in what year? Tito thinks it's 1099, uh, not the tax form, the year. Uh, what say you, Dana? I say he's correct. He's, she says you are correct, and that is, in fact, correct. It is 1099. It is also correct that it's not the tax form. It is the year. The year it was uh, 1099. Very good. 11th century Jerusalem. We uh, took it and uh, yeah. can't wait till we get it back. I can't let's, wait let's either. Do it again. I know. Maybe turn it uh, back to the church. Yeah, maybe uh, 2099 will be the year. All uh-huh. right, Dana. Let's look at question number two here. Question number two on the board. All right. What does immutable mean? Oh, immutable. Well, let's break this down. To to mute, you mean to silence. Immutable uh, prefix means that you're unable to silence. So I would say unable to silence. Oh, interesting. Yes. That's some interesting etymology that you're doing there. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what that means, but I had it for breakfast. Oh, interesting. Is that like a cereal? Yes. Okay. It's, it's French. All right. Well, Dana, the question on the board, it's a... Uh, could be tricky, so keep your ears tuned. The question on the board, what does immutable mean? 15 seconds on the clock. Tito says it means M, meaning unable, and mutable, meaning silence, like like muting someone. So he says unable to silence. What say you, Dana, from Ennis, Texas? He's correct. She says he's correct. Is that correct? There we go. What was, that was a long delay, guys. Yeah, uh, very good. I, I thought very we were go. waiting to hear from Dana. There we go. The <laughs> an, that was in fact not correct. The answer is unchangeable. Uh, the etymology is not have anything to do with muting. It has to do with uh, <laughs> with changing because uh, mutability means uh, to change. Mutation. Like like mutation. Yeah, mutation oh, is a very goodness. similar etymology. So unchanging. So there you go. You learned something new today. Speak English yeah. only ten years now. Only 10 years. You, you've only spoken English for 10 years. That's impressive. Yeah, you know? ten, 10 is, well, how, how much is 10? <laughs> <laughs> yes, apparently he doesn't know. He, it's, uh, it's, English isn't very good. Uh, sorry, forgive me. English is my first language. Uh, question number three, Dana, are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. The question on the board, which part of the church is reserved for priests and ministers of public worship? Ah, uh, Yes. Another liturgical question. It's we call it the sanctuary. I've not heard it called anything else before, but I'm pretty certain it's sanctuary. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sanctuary is what you're going with. Yeah, it's it's sanctuary. All right, Dana. The question on the board, 15 seconds on the clock. Which part of the church is reserved for priests and ministers of public worship? Well, Tito thinks it's the sanctuary. What say you, Dana? 
I say he's correct. She says that you're correct. She wants to believe you. And that is correct. It is, in fact, correct. It is the sanctuary. It's also known as the choir. And so it's kind of a confusing thing because yeah, people think why is it choir, choir. Yeah, people think choir means uh, the people who are singing, but it actually uh, it actually does. But the people, the priest, would sing the in, in choir. Is that the original term so for choir? And so then the, it, the singing people took it. And so that's exactly right. Ah, and so a scola would have been uh, only men because it would have only been the priest and religious priest who would have been a part of the scola. And that's how it worked. And scola literally means like to learn, to teach and those who are educated um, because they would be singing the chants in Latin and those kind of things. So very, very interesting. And so, yeah, I used to have these choir stalls and these chairs, and they still do. If you go to a religious house, like a Dominican priory, something like that, they still have those. Uh, but way to go, Dana. You're in two for three where you're putting it in the coffee cup of divine providence. It's being shaken up as we speak. You can say a quick prayer while we uh, see if uh, it is God's holy will that your name be drawn from the coffee cup. And the uh, drum roll, please. Drum roll. Let's see what we got here. And the winner is... Oh, my goodness. Uh, Dana, after all those attempts, you there won. You there you go, Dana. Be, uh, wow. How week, many times have you tried? Week, week two is uh, is apparently uh, the lucky week. There you go, Dana. Congratulations. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, wow. Thank you very much for calling in, and uh, make sure you stay on the line. There you go. I like that. That's yes. fun. That's fun. I didn't even know we had that sound. There you go. That's fun. Uh, very good, Dana. You did great. You, yes. you got in two times, and you won nonetheless. So praise be to God. Well, make sure you stay on the line. We make sure we get your contact information so we can send you the prize. But she, she have says, a blessed weekend. Yeah, she's been trying for quite a long time, prior to two weeks. Well, Dana. I was trying to win the, the shirt. I actually wanted the shirt last week. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't meant for me. It wasn't meant for you, but this one was. This one was according to God's divine providence that you win this week's. But God bless you, Dana. I'm going to put you on hold. Stay on the line with us. Okay. And that's going to do it for to, for the week. That's it. We're done. But if you want to continue on, if you want more Catholic Drive Time, well, hop on to our social feeds. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Rumble, Odyssey. Just look up Catholic Drive Time. You'll find us. And hop on, and we can have a discussion about whatever you want to talk about. There are some interesting things in the chats that I want to bring up. But whatever you want to talk about, we'll discuss. But God bless you. God love you. If not, we'll see you back Monday morning at 6 a.m. Central. I hope you have a blessed weekend. I can't wait to hear how your weekend went. So pray for me. I'll be praying for you. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. 
from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Salt community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate the first the Friday of the week 12 in ordinary time. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening on the radio, on Guadalupe Radio Network, and all our online viewers. For all the saints who from their labors rest, who thee by faith before the world confessed. Thy name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. Alleluia, Alleluia. After celebrating yesterday the great solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul, we celebrate today the first martyrs of the Holy Church of Rome who followed in their footsteps in giving their life for Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. Now, Almighty God, have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who consecrated the abundant first fruits of the holy of the of the Roman Church by the blood of the martyrs, grant we pray that with firm courage we may together draw strength from so great a struggle and ever rejoice at the triumph of faithful love. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God the Almighty. Walk in my presence and be blameless. God also said to Abraham, On your part, you and your descendants after you must keep my covenant throughout the ages. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you that you must keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. God further said to Abraham, As for your wife Sarai, do not call her Sarai. Her name shall be Sarah. 
I will bless her, and I will give you a son by her. Him also will I bless. He shall give rise to nations, and rulers of peoples shall issue from him. Abraham prostrated himself and laughed as he said to himself, Can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Or can Sarah give birth at ninety? Then Abraham said to God, But let Ishmael live on by your favor. God replied, Nevertheless, your wife Sarah is to bear you a son, and you shall call him Isaac. I will maintain my covenant with him as an everlasting pact, to be his God and the God of his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I am heeding you. I hereby bless him. I will make him fertile and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of twelve chieftains, and I will make of him a great nation. But my covenant I will maintain with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with him, God departed from Abraham. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The responsorial song. See how the Lord blesses those who fear him. See how the Lord blesses those who fear him. Blessed are you who hear the Lord, who walk in his ways. For you shall eat the fruit of your handiwork. Blessed shall you be and favored. See how the Lord blesses those who fear him. Your wife shall be a fruitful vine in the recesses of your home. Your children like olive plants around your table. See how the Lord blesses those who fear him. Behold, thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. See how the Lord blesses those who fear him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Christ, Christ took away our infirmities and bore our diseases. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And then a leper approached, did him homage, and said, Lord, if you wish, you can make me clean. He stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I will do it. Be made clean. His leprosy was cleansed immediately. Then Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Lord Jesus Christ. In that first reading, we continue with the beginning of salvation history with the call of Abraham. The sign that God gives for the covenant with Abraham, of course, is circumcision. And that's what we hear in that first reading. Actually, the first reading really takes really basic snippets of, um, and there's a lot that's sort of missed. For instance, how Abraham, Abram's name is changed to Abraham, although we hear about the change of Sarai's name to Sarah. 
but then the institution of circumcision. And it finally goes on that basically the Lord is going to bless Abraham and his descendants, that with him is the covenant. So he's already had a son with his, with his concubine, Ishmael, because he got a little impatient, <laughs> wasn't quite sure how the Lord was going to work all this out. In fact, when the Lord says that, you know, that Sarah is going to conceive, he sort of laughs, I think, in amazement. Like, how can somebody my age and my wife's age, how is she ever going to conceive? But God has got it figured, he's got it figured out. And, uh, and so we see that that covenant and the promise of that covenant is going to remain with Abraham and with the descendants from Sarah, his wife. So that's where we are in that first reading. In the gospel today, we have been with Jesus on the mountain of the Beatitudes, the, the Sermon on the Mount. He's been teaching us about his, this sort of word picture of his interior life, and then how to shape our life, to conform our life, to measure our life by the life of Jesus. But now we're coming down from the mountain, right into the valley of darkness and sickness and so on and so forth. And what is the first thing that Jesus does is he encounters a leper. Now, the leper even coming close to Jesus uh, is, you know, would, would be something that was inappropriate at that time because of the possibility of, of contagion. But he comes and Jesus touches this man. And by touching him, of course, as the Alleluia verse says, Christ took our away our infirmities and bore our diseases, that he has right, the possibility of taking that on himself. Just as we were to come into the presence of somebody who is very sick, we run the risk of becoming sick ourselves. But of course, Jesus, being God, is going to take away this disease from him. The question, or the, the, the statement of the leper is something I think touches our heart. Lord, if you wish, you can make me clean. And Jesus, of course, says, I, I will do it, be made clean, and the, and the leprosy is cleansed immediately. Are there people that the Lord does not want to clean or to make pure? Are there those that he doesn't want to heal? How come, when, for instance, when people come to be prayed over or come to Jesus for healing and say this very same thing, Lord, if you wish, you can make me clean, and they're not cleansed immediately? Well, at least physically, that might happen. There could be healings that happen immediately physically. But we, we can always be sure that when we come to Jesus and we approach him in our sickness, mainly our spiritual sickness, that he will heal us. It may not be all at once. It may not be absolutely immediately. Sometimes it is, and we can give thanks to God. But oftentimes it is through stages and actually through going th th um, through illness that the Lord shapes us and forms us to be a more perfect disciple. And that's who, how we were conformed, of course, our life to all that the Lord has given us in the Sermon on the Mount. I think one of the things we can take away from the saints today is like St. Peter and Paul who went before them, the first holy martyrs of Rome, is that courage, courage um, purified them and shaped them, their heart, to be ready to give that ultimate sacrifice. In the early church, it was, it was kind of understood that there was a very good chance you were going to be martyred if you, be, if you were going to become a Christian. Uh, we don't have that so much today, at least not yet. But then to have that, that courage would be something that was really deeply rooted in their heart, knowing that if they were going to follow Christ, it would likely mean the ultimate sacrifice of giving their life. And so the Lord, of course, would have to cleanse 
their hearts and their sickness to have that courage that in that moment they would not betray the Lord. That moment they would stay firm, and so many did. And it gave others great courage and, and, and great fortitude to be able to stand up and live their faith profoundly. May they inspire us with a deep courage to live our faith today. Sometimes it does take great for courage and fortitude to be a witness to Jesus in our day. And may they, they inspire us with that same courage. May the Lord cleanse us of anything that would, would lead us away from him or any disease or sickness that would cause us uh, to be weak or cowardly in professing our faith. We bring our prayers before our Heavenly Father. Let us pray for the Holy Church of God, that inspired by the first martyrs of the Holy Roman Church, we may have courage to profess our faith to the world and bring the light of God to a dark world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our hear prayers. prayers. Let's pray for those who govern us, that they may listen diligently to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in all their deliberations and decisions. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. For those who are sick and who are suffering, like the leper today in the gospel would come to Jesus, if you wish, you can make me clean, that all who are sick would come to the Lord to receive healing and strength, especially in their spirit. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Mindful of those who have died and have gone before us, marked with a sign of faith, may they rest in peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our own personal intentions, through those who are the intentions of those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, for all those who are enrolled in our Soul Mass Association, for all their spiritual and temporal needs, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. Heavenly Father, we bring all of our prayers and petitions before you, <coughs> confident that you hear and answer us through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank Thee who has planted Thy holy name within our hearts. Knowledge and faith and life immortal, Jesus, Thy Son, to us imparts. Thou, Lord, didst make all for thy pleasure. Didst give man food for all his days, giving in Christ the bread eternal. Thine is the power, be thine the praise. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his, his name, name, for, for our, our good and good of all his holy church. Receive, Holy Father, the offerings we bring in commemoration of the holy martyrs, and grant that we, your servants, may be found steadfast in confessing your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. 
lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For you are glorified when your saints are praised. Their very sufferings are but wonders of your might. In your mercy you give ardor to their faith. To their endurance you grant firm resolve. And in their struggle the victory is yours through Christ our Lord. Therefore, all creatures of heaven and earth sing a new song in adoration. And we with all the hosts of angels cry out, and without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui benedictus Domine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church 
and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with the holy martyrs of Rome, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop, the order of bishops all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer to the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold, 
the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. It is you who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer a kingdom on you, says the Lord, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and a desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love Thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought? Sweet sacrament with thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Had I but merry sinless heart, with which to love the dearest King. Oh, with what bursts of fervent praise Thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing. Sweet sacrament we thee adore, Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. O God, who in your holy martyrs have wonderfully made known the mystery of the cross, graciously grant that drawing strength from this sacrifice, we may cling faithfully to Christ and labor in the church for the salvation of all, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And, and with, with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.
Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. Come. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. KSHJ, Houston.